Isn't it wonderful to be family? Right? No matter what happens, it's like when you're with your family. You, you get a chance to just continue to love them in spite of the fact that sometimes we do things that aren't always perfect, right? That's how I feel about my sermons. Just try my best and the Lord comes in behind and cleans it up. Amen. He cleans it up in our hearts and in our thinking. That's what I love about him. He takes what we do and he makes the best of it for us. Amen. Love it. Well, I'm going to continue the series that I started uh, like now six weeks ago. And we'll be looking at God's mission for the church. And uh, we discovered last week that God's mission has uh, been mandated to us as a co-mission. And you never have a co-mission without including others. So you can cooperate, and that means that you're operating with others, right? So in this particular case, uh, we're joining the Lord in what he wants to do. And he's made it very clear to us that uh, we're to take um, the gospel to the world and to make disciples. Amen? Our primary purpose. The church, if they lose sight of their purpose, if they lose sight of the reason for being, then the church begins to do other things that are not the reason. Any organization that takes their eyes off of their, of their mission will begin to do and be something else. Amen. And that's not what we want. So um, we're going to continue it. You're going to see up on the screen uh, a passage of scripture that uh, we're going to look at in Romans 10. And I pulled out just a piece of it. And, and this thought has been like in my mind for weeks. And I didn't realize that it was going to be my sermon this week. But weeks ago, uh, this thought came into my mind. It's Lord... Who has believed our report? Uh, easily you could replace the word report with message. Who has believed our message? That's found in Romans 10.16. So I want you to listen uh, for a minute. Well, my little introduction here. And uh, so I'm going to tell you a story. It's a story about the, the Son of God. It's a story about the Messiah of Israel and um, you're not going to believe it. Alright? Romans written by Paul this particular passage he pulled out of Isaiah. So he's citing another source which is the prophet Isaiah from the Old Testament. And that's found in Isaiah 53, 1. And Paul pulls this out and he says, hey, Lord, who, who has believed our report? And so it's like Isaiah was saying, like I just said, Paul quoting him, I'm going to tell you a story, and he's speaking to Israel, 800 years before the birth of Christ. And he basically is saying here, I'm going to tell you about the Son of God. I'm going to tell you about the Messiah, Israel. And you're not going to believe it. 
Now, <laughs> you can take um, the idea uh, of you're not going to believe it, especially for us in the 21st century, you can take it in two ways. If I were to tell you, you're not going to believe it. Uh, you're, I'm telling you that something is so incredible, so amazing, so wonderful, you're just not going to believe it. Right? Or I could take it the second way, in that it's unbelievable, that is beyond belief, but it's far-fetched, and you reject it. So, isn't it funny how a saying can have two meanings? Right? Romans 10, 16, the verse that we see up there, we can uh, push it to the next slide and stay here for a minute. I think it's important to realize that the whole context, but it says, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. This is what Isaiah is saying about Israel. They have not all obey, obeyed the gospel. They, they, haven't, they haven't obeyed it because they don't believe it. That's the reason. And he then, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? In this case, it says report. It could easily be message. What message? The message of the good news. What good news? Isaiah 53 speaks about the suffering servant, Jesus. The one who would go to Calvary's cross. And it speaks in terms of that he would take... Uh, and carry all of our burdens and all of our iniquity. He would become the sacrificial lamb of God. They didn't believe it. Right? But my, my hope is this morning that I, I, I'm going to tell you a story about the Son of God, the Messiah of Israel. And my hope is that you're not going to believe it. It's so wonderful. It's amazing what he did for us. You see how you could take it two ways? So, they, they did not obey the gospel. They failed in that respect. And basically, what he's saying here is, you know, who, who's going to believe the message? Right? He's looking back at Israel's tendency to disobey. And that specifically happens because they refuse to believe. Right? They refuse. It's not that they can't believe, they won't believe. Right? And it goes all the way back to the, as we're talking about Isaiah and the prophets. And this is a passage, I'll give it to you for homework, because I don't want to get into the passage because it's so loaded that I'll never get out of it to get to the point I'm trying to reach. Isaiah 53 could be your homework. And it's, it's about Jesus and it's how um, Isaiah would uh, foretell which means prophesy, obviously under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, God let Isaiah know that Israel would reject Jesus. And that's incredible to believe. In the same context of how I just explained it, you're not going to believe it. Not going to believe it in two ways. If you take it in a way, you're not going to believe what the Son of God would do for you. Or you're not going to believe that he's the son of God that did that for you. Either way, it's just unbelievable. And they reject their Messiah. They turn their backs on him. And so, 
first thought that comes to my mind is it, it, it is a discouraging thing to know that not everyone is going to accept Jesus Christ as Lord. Okay? That is one of the big hurdles that uh, we have to accept as Christians. But it's easier to accept when you remember who you were before Christ. Right? It's easier to accept that there will be those that are going to reject Jesus when you remember that you once rejected him. I don't think anyone really, it's rare, right? not that it couldn't happen. I don't think that there's really anyone who comes the first time they hear the gospel. Or at least I can say, it's rare. So I'll be correct in saying, statistically speaking, the odds are against that you would come to Christ the first time you heard the good news of the gospel, or which is good news, right? It's discouraging. Not everyone is going to come. Not everyone is going to accept Jesus Christ as Lord of their lives. But once we get over that, and maybe allow ourselves to focus on the fact that by God's grace and mercy, we did, and that's a miracle in itself, then we can pray for those that we know and love that have rejected him. See, there's a way to kind of make this settle and a way for us to be able to move beyond the, the incredible idea that there are people that just aren't going to accept Christ. You know? And that, that's the message of the parable of the sower, isn't it? The seeds that fall on different types of ground. Right? That's a whole other sermon there. Maybe I'll talk about it on Wednesday. But that parable tells us that the seed will fall on three different types of soil that would be unreceptive. And there's only one that's good ground that is receptive. So immediately the parable lets us know that there's a 25% chance that you'll accept Christ. And if you're part of that 25% chance, it's not a, 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 a uh, no-error uh, uh, analysis there. It's a parable. So, But I'm saying if we just use the percentages there, 25% of the people will accept Christ. The other 75% will reject him, which it goes also in accordance to what we know where uh, the Bible says, many are called, but few are chosen. Right? So, that's the situation. Who has believed our report? Uh, my prayer is that you have. My prayer is that you have. According to Philippians 2.11, and you'll know the scripture Eventually, those who have rejected Christ and everyone will confess that he is Lord. And they'll do so from their mouth with bended knee. Everyone is going to eventually confess that Jesus is Lord. It says this specifically, Philippians 2, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. But the time frame matters. What matters is 
when you accept this gospel message, before you stand before him, but when you do stand before him, you will confess that he is Lord, because he is. That's what we confess. Jesus Christ is Lord. He's the Son of God. So, simply put then, what is the message? Because what is it that they're rejecting? That he came, that is, Jesus was sent by the, our Heavenly Father because uh, God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten Son that whosoever, what, believes shall not perish but have everlasting life. He came to redeem the world although he knew. And here's another angle when I studied this that I thought was uh, incredible. Again, to borrow from our statement, who has believed our report. So hard to believe that he would come to the world knowing that not everyone would accept him. You know? Who would intentionally expose themselves to rejection. I mean, if I needed a loan at the bank and I knew that I wasn't credit worthy, why would I go through the process to only hear what I already know? I'm going to get rejected. Right? You know, that kind of thing happens a lot too in the uh, world of uh, relationships. Somebody sees someone else and, oh man, should I, shouldn't I, what I, could I, will she, I don't want to get rejected. So you never will find out because you never took the risk. Right? That's life. But Jesus came, went to Calvary's cross, in spite of the fact that he knew that not everyone would accept him. Okay? Think about that for a minute. What motivated him then if not everybody would accept him? Well, what motivated him were two things. First, that he was fulfilling the will of his father. That was the plan that was established before the foundation of the earth that Jesus would be the lamb that would be crushed for the sins of the world. First and foremost, his motivation was to fulfill the desire of his of his heavenly father of, of the of our heavenly father you know a lot of the reason for what we do is simply because that's what God asks us to do uh, we may not even understand why or even how but we do it because of our love not just for, in a spiritual sense for our heavenly father but we do many things also for love for the people that are uh, that we that we have in our circle of influence or people we love. So first and foremost, in spite of the fact that he knew that not everyone would accept him, he went ahead with the plan of salvation for the sake of the Father, but also for the sake of those that would. He went ahead with the plan of the cross, the suffering of the cross, the rejection of many because he knew that there would be some that would. Isn't that amazing? It, it, because he knew that you would. I hope. Right? 
you would. I believe that Jesus would have gone to Calvary's cross if no one would have accepted him. Because he could not help but demonstrate his nature and that is that God is love. He would have done it had no one received him or accepted him. But specifically painful in this particular story is the fact that he came into his own, according to John 1.11, he came to Israel, the expectant Messiah, the promised seed of Abraham, the descendant of King David. He came to his own, Israel, and his own people didn't receive him. That's even more surprising and painful, I imagine. See, he came to proclaim peace and reconciliation between God and Israel. Uh, they didn't receive him. In other words, they, they didn't believe it. You just, like Isaiah says, you're just not going to believe it. The story I'm going to tell you. Lord, who has believed our report? Yeah, you're not going to believe it. <laughs> In both ways, depending on your perspective. You're not going to believe it because it's so wonderful, it's so unmanageable that God would do this for us. And then, of course, that's not possible. You could take it that way, too. No, they did not, um, they did not receive him. We see that in the gospel stories, a couple examples, at the beginning of his ministry. Um, at first, people were very excited about Jesus. For example, in uh, Luke 4, he goes to his hometown, Nazareth, and those people were overjoyed when they heard Jesus tell them that he was the Messiah as he opened the, the very same book that I'm referring to, Isaiah, and he told them that this day, this passage has been fulfilled in your hearing. He was literally opened a, a 800-year-old scroll, read a passage related to him, and then said, that's me. And at first they rejoiced, and then immediately there were those who doubted. And a few minutes later, they tried to kill him. Because they, whoa, 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 hold on, this is the son of Joseph. The carpenter's son? Huh? Well, he's claiming to be the Messiah? How could he not claim to be the Messiah? He would be denying himself. It's like you saying you're not you. Okay, let's... Carla, say, I'm not Carla. That would be dumb. Because you are Carla. Right? <laughs> I am that I am, he would say in the Old Testament to identify himself. Well, it can't be anyone else. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? He, he is who he is. Whether you accept that or not doesn't change who he is. But it does change your eternal destiny and address. Right? I think it's also something we see happen at the end of his ministry in the triumphal entry right there days before the crucifixion he comes into Jerusalem with a great celebration fit for a king where they shouted Hosanna, Hosanna uh, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord and so uh, people believed he was the Messiah but they had another idea about what he would do not that he would come riding in on a humble on a donkey they expected um, a conquering warrior on a black stallion to kick out uh, the Romans from their land and 
he didn't fulfill their expectations of him. So not so many days later, these very same people were demanding his crucifixion. Crucify him! Crucify him! You're not going to believe this story. You're not going to believe this message. You're just not going to believe it. Oh, are you? Are you? Have you believed it? Because that's why we're here. If I were to say, and if I were to reduce everything about this ministry, at least under my charge as pastor, that's what this is about. It's about believing the report of the gospel, the good news. If you were to ask me to, to like summarize it in one word, I would just have to say, if I could never preach anything else, and praise God, I would say, Jesus. It's about Jesus. Yeah. But, you know, in John 1.12, in spite of the fact that he came to his own and his own people did not receive him, what happens is that God had a second plan, another option. Oh, okay, my people reject him, Israel. Then to all who did receive him, which include everyone else in the context of the Jewish mindset, it would be to all the Gentiles. To as many as who did receive him, you did receive him, you did believe the report, the message. He gave, and, and, and not only received him, but believed in his name. Notice how it's always about believing. It's about the creed. That's where we get incredible. We believe, it. we have a belief system. We believe he's the son of God. So it says, to those that believe in his name, who received him, he gave them the right. So he gives us the privilege, if you would, to become God's children, but this is, uh, to become God's child is not something in which you're born of the blood or of the will of the flesh. It's not because uh, of your descendants or it's not because of your father, your mother, your grandparents. It, it, this is not, it's because it's not of the will of man. Someone can't wish it for you or will it for you. You have to make that decision to receive Christ and believe him. You have to. Uh, yesterday I had a chance to be on a podcast with uh, our brothers from the Spanish praise team and um, they, their uh, podcast for Cielo uh, y Tierra. I got a chance to share my testimony with them and I was, had the opportunity to share with them that I am third generation Christian my father and my mother were Christians their father and mother were Christians and then there. So I'll be the third generation. Sam, my son, is the fourth. You know? But that's not what made me a Christian. I still had to make the decision because God doesn't have grandkids. He only has kids. He only has sons and daughters, not granddaughters. You can't be a Christian because your dad is or your abuelo was. You have to be a Christian because you chose him. And one of the dangers of being raised in a Christian home is that you think you are a Christian because you know everything about, and as far as head knowledge, you know all the moves to make, 
So you think you become a professional Christian, but you never receive him in your heart. You still have all the religious pinnings and the legalistic activity, but you don't know him as your Lord and Savior in a personal way. That's the danger of being raised as a Christian. You still have to call on his name because you still have to recognize your need of a Savior. You would still have to repent of your sins and come to him and carry your cross individually first. That's just the way it works. So we talked about that a little bit. So, so we arrived then at, so who has believed his report? No. So quick question. Have you believed our report? Our message? Have you believed that he's the son of God? Have you believed he's the Messiah of Israel? The chosen one is what it means. The anointed one specifically. God's chosen for the task of dying for the sins of the world. Do you believe that he died for your sins? Specifically? Do you believe that he raised from the dead? Resurrected? Do you believe that he uh, ascended into heaven and he lives and sits at the right hand of the Father interceding for you? Do you believe that he's given us uh, the task of occupying until he comes? Do you believe that he's returning soon? That's the report. That's what we believe. That's, that's what it is. I, I don't know of any other message. I can't find any other message in the scriptures. Right? So, Jesus is coming soon. Have you believed the report? Yeah. And then what we discover is that this particular passage is embedded in a whole other bunch of scriptures. So I'm going to talk about now, I kind of went straight for the message, the central message, but now I want to dig through the passages before and after this verse. So if they can go to the next slide. So that was verse 16 of Romans 10. Now look at 13 through 17. So let's look at how it's, this thought is developed and why. So at 13, we'll go back a little bit from 16, right? 13 is before 16. At least that's what I learned in school. Right? Like A is before B. So in, in, in Bible interpretation and in being able to take these passages and understand them, wouldn't we have to understand them in context? So he says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Oh. So I have to call on the name of the Lord to be saved. How then? So calling on the name of the Lord is real important. Because it says you will be saved. I could kind of make this passage uh, transliterate it, which means just say it in a different way so we understand you could easily take this and say, for everyone who calls the Lord, Lord, will be saved. In other words, you make him Lord. But you're calling on the name of the Lord. So he goes on to say, that is Paul, how then shall they call on the one who they not believed in? And how will they believe on the one in whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they've been sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. And not all 
the Israelites accepted the good news. This is where we started. For Isaiah says, the Lord who has believed a report. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. So we have the, the message. So here, let me break this down, and then we're done. Okay? This is one of my favorite passages. I'm going to go from 15 backwards. And then I'm going to go back forward. I'm going to go backwards, forwards. See, this is one of the things I do. This is how God helped develop me as a minister. To look in, out, under, over, from the side, under, uh, from the right side, from the left side, in front and in back. And I look at these passages every angle. Why? I don't want to anything. I know, my students say I'm extra. They're like, come on, Pat. I mean, get, get on with it. No, well, do you understand it all yet? Understand it enough to apply it to your life and let it be what gives you security in your walk with him and understanding of where you're going and why you're going there. Right? So let's just kind of start at the last part of, uh, with 15. It says... And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? So I'm going to go backwards up to calling on the name of the Lord, which is verse 13. So you, you have people proclaiming the good news because they've been sent. That's the first step. Who sends them? God. It's his message. He has messengers, ambassadors, servants, whatever you want to call them. They've been sent. And since they're sent, they're bringing a proclamation so that someone can hear it. Oh, there's the key. Here's it. And in hearing, you believe. And in believing, then you can call on the name of the Lord to save you. See how that works? It's... it's it doesn't happen any other way. The last part, of course, in verse 17 is consequently. Then as, so that means as a consequence, it's kind of like a cause and effect, if you would, if you're in an English class and, and your teacher said, I'm going to teach you about why something is. Well, there's always a cause, causation. And this is the effect so having, having heard the word from the one that was sent, you believed. And having believed, you call on the name of the Savior to save you. And he does. And he does. If you genuinely believe. Because any kind of faith that anyone would ever have to be able to call on the Lord... That faith comes from hearing the message. And I've said this before. I wish I had a magic wand and I could just go like this. Abracadabra. Kazam. And all of you would have an increased faith. Or at least I could have like some kind of space dust. <laughs> like some ministries do. And I could take two big handfuls and throw the powder all over you and say you are now have faith in Jesus it doesn't work that way 
Or I could take some of you, grab you by the neck, and squeeze as hard as I can until you say, I, I, I accept Jesus, which is how you would do it in the Inquisition to recant and accept something you don't really believe. But I could do it by the sword. Hey, say you believe or I'll chop your head off. Or we could do it God's way. And we can say and teach and share with you the goodness of the Heavenly Father in sending His Son on this rescue mission so that we might be saved. And when you hear it, you say, because a spark of faith went off in your heart, and you said, I believe. It's all done through his grace and mercy and loving kindness. It's all done only that way. Because to force you would be to violate you. Think about that for a minute. No relationship works when it's forced. It's by free will. In every relationship we have, hopefully we're drawn into it because in that relationship there's expressed respect, there's an expression of trust, and love is demonstrated, and that's what draws you to it. And that's the integrity of the relationship we have with Christ. And that he would respect our free will to come to him because he is good. We love him because he first loved us. And that's our mission. That's our message as a church. This is our report. I have reported to the church today. And that's all I've got to say. And that's all I'll ever say. Jesus saves. Amen? Have you believed our report? Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for this time in your word and this time to think and to rejoice, Lord, over the fact that our coming to you is all part of a plan that you designed through your son Jesus Christ. Yet Lord there is no other way in which man can be saved except that he believe in what you have already given us as the means of your presence and the means to be saved and it's always through Christ who stepped into earth and as precious unblemished lamb took on himself as Isaiah 53 states all of our sins and iniquities he was chastised for our peace by his stripes we are healed he bore it all on his body as a sacrifice for us and all we have to do is accept the gift that you offer to us freely by faith after having understood the good news that's our prayer Lord that's our mission that's what we're here for and we thank you Father for this privilege and opportunity and we thank you in Jesus precious name amen and amen alright so there's one other little thing I wanted to do and it's um, 
it's it's the end of this series. I think I've exhausted what God's given me. I want you to reevaluate um, as a church. Uh, if you're serving here already in some capacity as a ministry, all I can say is thank you and continue to do so and we'll continue to support you. But there's some of you that maybe aren't. So I don't know where Lorena is. She's supposed to have left in the back. Can you go get her for me? She's going to have a couple clipboards. Here's what I'm challenging you after we've spoken about that our mission is, or our vision is his mission or his mission is our commission because we're going to co-participate with them. To so give you an opportunity in three areas where I think we need help. And all of this is driven by our last ministry meeting. It really impacted me. And as a church, I, I want to give and I want to offer the Lord the best of what we have. I want to stand before him one day, even with a small crowd, and say, Lord, this is how we were faithful. Okay, so on these, these clipboards, there's three ministries that I've identified. Number one is we need an evangelism team. Okay, so we're going we're gonna to find someone to lead it. And I think I may have that person already. I just need to confirm. And then the rest of us are going to work with the pastor and this evangelism team leader to go out into the community and share the gospel, spread the news of the, of the good news. How, I want to think, us to think not only in that we're just going out like, for instance, one-on-one, -on -one, which we will and we should, but there are a lot of times there's fairs, there's activities all over the city, there's parks, there's all kinds of stuff going on where we can take, and I know Ivan has already designed a wonderful little pamphlet that we can also make bigger too if we need to, Right, and whatever you think, and we'll, I, I'm gonna. Ivan, Ivan's already done it, so that's why I know he's in. He's already did it. It's just sitting there. We need to use it, and it's awesome. So we're gonna use, for instance, flyers. We're gonna use whatever we can find to be creative and go out in the community and let them know who we are. But there's only one reason why we're doing it is we want to first share with them the good news of Christ. And then we want to have the confidence to say, "Hey, you can come to Crosspoint because we're doing this there." That is, if that's where God would be sending them, right? The other one, so that's the team. So that's the evangelism team. Sign up if you think you you're not going to be doing it alone. There's always two by two. We're always going to go with someone else, but a team, right? The other one is uh, we need a someone to work uh, hand to hand with Ramon on the on the facilities. That is. The buildings, the remodeling. We need to do some remodeling. We need to do some maintenance. We need to do some taking care of our property in our buildings. So if you're good with carpentry or painting or you know how to swing a hammer or you know how to turn a screwdriver, whatever that is, and you're, you know how to fix toilets, because I came here on Wednesday and the one in the woman's room was running and it had been running for days. That's money down the drain, or that's money down the toilet, right? We have a hinge up here that's loose, and the only way to shut that door is to throw it in to like, go like, uh, uh, 
like a football player in practically. And we don't want to do that because then we'll damage the frame around it. Somebody needs to, so this team, they're just going to look around at what needs to be fixed, what needs to be remodeled, and we're going to ask God to pray and pray that he give us the resources to do so. So your job would be not to go on the evangelism team, even though you might be able to do both. I don't know. I do a lot of things around here, so I'm probably good at only nothing, but I, I'm a jack of all trades and master of nothing, right? So evangelism team. You can paint, you can, I don't know, put sprinklers in, glue, pipes together, whatever that, you know, there's all kinds of stuff you can do, right? Is it true, uh, Lorena can verify, we need that? Yeah, we need that bad. Because you know what, and I've shared this already, this church was literally handed to us, and it's free of debt. We should take care of it. It's a miracle. Do you know how many churches wishes they had a property? They had this much. We have 2.07 acres here. I'll just say it. This property is worth over $3 million. I'm going to take care of it. We're going to take care of it. How do you know that? I had an evaluation done. We are sitting and God has treasured us given us a treasure, a pearl. As one neighbor one time told me when they came to one of our events, says, the church is a pearl of the community. I'm like, oh, that, that's what you see. Yeah, that's what he saw. So, okay, so evangelism team, sign up. And then facilities or um, remodeling or just building care, maintenance. You're good at that? Join us. I'm going to set up meetings for us from this point at some point in the future to meet and start to develop a plan of doing something. Then the last one is I'm going to call it the helping ministry. In other words, everything else that needs help. And Lorena's going to help with that team because she kind of takes care of a lot of stuff, but we, she needs help. Not just in the office, but there's a lot of things to plan for, to set up, to, you know, we, we like, for instance, when we did BBS, I mean, the way it, everything that got designed just didn't happen out, like, for no reason. Someone put their time into it. So we need a team to do it. I uh, love bulletin boards. Thank you, Joanna, back there. They look great. That stuff. We see bulletin boards out here. Please don't ever let me walk in and see them empty again. You know how my heart cringes. Someone comes in for the first time, and they walk in, and there's a bulletin board with a flyer hanging. <laughs> What are they going to think about the church? They go into the building and, hey, it's time to change these carpets. They're dirty. I'm just saying. I see this stuff. It's now, I don't want to see it anymore. I want to at least have a plan. So we're, somewhere in the future, we're going to do something about it as soon as we can get to it. I understand having a, a pile of files. I have them in my desk at work. First one is the most important. Second important, third important, fourth important, right? Everyone else is already doing what they're doing. Thank you again. God loves you. Let's trust them so that we can grow. Our church needs, we need more souls. We can't stay stagnant anymore. We have to grow. We do not grow, we're going to have serious problems. Because in growth, then we find that God will meet our, uh, and provide the resources. Amen. So those three things. So Lorena's back there. 
someone here, not, you don't have to tell me out loud, but do you feel like maybe God is tapping uh, uh, your shoulder saying, hey, uh, raise your hand, don't, don't all at one time. That you want to do something, be part of something here. Just, and those of you that are doing something, raise your hand already. Oh, you're not doing nothing, Estella? Yeah, you are. Raise your hand. No, I want some encouragement. Please, raise both hands. Because I think you do more than one thing. Okay, good. Thank you. Whew, I was going to say, no one's doing nothing. My God. I'm the only one up here. So that's what we're doing. Pray with me for leadership guidance in that capacity. I think, I think we all can agree. I'm sure you've seen something around here and said, I wonder if that could be fixed. I wonder if that could be painted. I wonder if we could see that chair back there that's green. It's a single chair, but they have hooks. Wouldn't it be nice to have more comfortable seating in here instead of benches? I don't know. Something. We got to do something. So, uh, thank you. Let's pray. Father, thank you again. What a privilege, what an honor to serve you. And we just simply want to offer you the best that we have. Knowing, Lord God, that obviously we couldn't do anything without you. And we'd like to think that we're joining you in what you're doing. Instead of you joining us in what we're not doing. But that's a matter of perspective, isn't it, Lord? And give us the right one, the healthy one. And that's what all these last six weeks have been about. That we can see that in the scriptures that we have a purpose and a, you have a plan for the church. So bless our, our, our ideas, we pray, that they might match the needs that exist. And most importantly, your mandate, your purposes for us. Bless each and every person that's going to make a commitment. Be with them in every way. Let their gifts flourish and thrive. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to take our offering. Amen. And don't forget, we don't have two offerings. I'm going to keep reminding us. First is the general offering, our tithes and offerings for the general fund of the church. And then we have that project that we're doing project air conditioner the good thing is we don't really need it right away but then that gives us time to have one for next time it's hot so two separate envelopes if you decide to give to the air conditioning ac gets put on the envelope it could be anything whatever god puts on your heart that's a good part about it some can do more than others that's fine that's how it works so we're going to take our offering thank you so much appreciate it Gracias. Thank you. And let's just pray for the offering. Father, bless our offering this morning. We want to give from a cheerful heart, understanding, Lord, that all things, all good things come from above. We simply want to return to you by faith and love uh, a little bit of the much that you've given us, whatever you've put on our hearts for the support of this ministry here at Cross Point. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.